What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your host, DJ Hamilton. Make sure you guys continue to check out the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Leave five stars, leave leave comments, whatever you want to do. Shout out to your family members, coworkers, friends, whoever likes sports on all things sports. Check out the website too. Tell them about it, djsportshow.com, where I write about all things sports. My podcast on the homepage is on there as well. My YouTube section I have on my website as well. Check out my merch on there as well. My shop section where I have short sleeve shirts, sweatshirts, joggers, shorts, you name it. That's continuing continuing to try to add more stuff. But yeah, make sure you guys continue to check that out. In this episode today, we're talking about Erna Sabalenka capturing her second Mutual Madrid Open title over Iga Swiatek, who was number one ranked in the world. She's number two in the world, Sabalenka. Does that, does that make her the best in WTA? Is she the best women's tennis player currently? That's what we get into in this episode. We also get into Bronny going to USC. It's Bronny, he's the son of LeBron James. He finally, after a long time, everybody's been anticipating, committed to what college he's going to go to. Is he a first round pick in the 2024 NBA draft next year? We will talk about that as well. And also get into Real Madrid winning their 20th. Copa del Rey in the club's history and MLB's new CBA deal. So that's what we get into on this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Grab a snack, put your headphones in, and enjoy the show. Peace. So the Belarusian tennis savant Ariana Sabalenka continued her dominance in the WTA, which is Women's Tennis Association, this past weekend by defeating number one ranked Polish tennis player and three-time Grand Slam champion Iga Swiatek in a three-set classic 6-3-3-6-6-3 to claim the 2023 Mucha Madrid Open title. This gives her her third title in 2023 when she also won the Australian and Adelaide Open. Not bad for a birthday gift. And I think she turned 26 years old or 25 years old, something like that. This title also marks Sabalenka's second Madrid title, winning her first in 2021, fourth time beating a number one ranked opponent, her fifth WTA 1000 title, and 13th overall WTA title of her career. Her winning her third title in the calendar year breaks a former three-way tie with Swiatek, who's number one ranked in the world, and Swiss tennis player Belinda Benchik, who missed the tournament due to a hip injury. Sabalenka's second victory on the red dirt put her in upper echelon territory, joining legends such as Pecha Kabatova, who won three, Simona Halep, who won two, and Serena Williams, who won two in her illustrious career, as the only players to win the Madrid title more than once in their careers. Sabalenka also is the only woman to defeat the last two number ones in Swiatek and Ashley Barty, who shockingly retired last year. Sabalenka was aggressive, determined, and relentless in her pursuit over Swiatek, as the reigning French Open champion had her number in their previous matchups against each other, beating her for the first time in four meetings. The Belarusian star took some hits and bumps over the course of the match, from being down 40 to 15, in the first game to the scorching Swiatek, but letting off fireworks with explosive hits to come back and rally to take the first set off an invigorating backhand winner up the line and proceeded with a rallying roar. Both players battled it out between the match, hitting back and forth until a net cord affected Swiatek's forehand swing that cost her two break points to go down 3-2. Swiatek then proceeded with a comet-like forehand that resulted in a deuce off as Sabalenka failed to keep the ball inbounds off two serves. Sabalenka's vigorous hits caused a lot of conflict for Swiatek, helping Sabalenka get an early lead, which was key for her chances to win against the phenomenon in Swiatek, as she was 23-0 this year after winning the first set. Set two saw Swiatek respond back, showing why She's ranked as the best in women's tennis by taking a 3-0 lead in the second set. Sabalenka wouldn't let up, though, storming back, putting pressure on Swiatek that resulted in another winner after accumulating a succession of breakpoints. However, Swiatek took full throttle 
off of Sabalenka's lackadaisical backhands to take a 5-3 lead in the second set, finishing it off with a sizzling serve to decide the set and take the match into a decider. At this point, many tennis fans and pundits probably thought the Swiss sizzler, as I call Swiatek, had the game in the bounce. But Sabalenka had other plans, out-dueling Swiatek by taking the 3-0 lead in the deciding set. Swiatek showed her resilience by tying it 3-3 in the third set with the help of ill-advised double faults from Sabalenka. Sabalenka responded with some fairy forehands to take a 5-3 lead in the set, eventually taking the match. It was a match for the ages between the top two ranked WTA players in women's tennis, a gift from the tennis gods, as most were worried for the future of the tennis game after Barty's surprise retirement last year in the prime of her career, it left many wondering who would take the mantle of the throne with her, Serena, and Venus Williams all retired. Here's Sabalenka on her winning the Madrid title after the match. You sat here a couple days ago and I asked you, you know, who would you rather play? And you said, you know what? I want to play Iga. I want another shot. What were the adjustments you made coming in after Stuttgart? Well, yeah, as I said uh, on the press conference before before the match, that I have to be patient. I have to uh, wait for a better shot to go for my um, heavy shot. So, so I was kind of uh, trying to not overrush things, and uh, it's really worked well today. And yeah, I'm super happy with the win, especially against Egon Clay. That's something special. And yeah, I'm super happy with the level. And hopefully, we we're gonna keep meeting each other in the finals uh, this season. I mean, I'm gonna do everything I can to make it happen because. I think it's it's really great that um, first two series of the tournament uh, reaches the finals. That's something amazing. It's something amazing, and it lived up to the hype. I mean, the match was just, we were all on, our, on the edge of our seats the whole time. When you're playing against Iga, do you feel there's a, there's a special, a bit of a different energy when you two are playing? Um, yeah, I think it's a different energy. It's a, it's a it's tough battle, and I know that anytime she can come back, and if, uh, if I drop my level, she, she's going to take the opportunity, and she's going to come back. What she, what she actually did today, and um, yeah, I'm super happy that no matter what, I was able to keep fighting and keep trying. Let's talk a little bit about the match. It was so back and forth. Every time you were up, Iga fought back. In that third set, when you had the lead and it got back to 3-all, what are you telling yourself to be able to keep your composure? I was just trying to forget first six, uh, six games of the, of the third set. Yeah, because I played unbelievable tennis first uh, three games. She came back really strongly in the, in the next three games. And I was just like trying to clean my mind and start, start everything from the, from the beginning. Really staying in the moment, absolutely beautiful. Um, you're such an improved player in so many different aspects. We were all talking about it. Uh, we don't know where you've improved the most. What are you most proud of? I'm proud of my um, mentality right now. I'm proud that no matter what, I stay strong, no matter what, I keep fighting. And I think this is the biggest improvement I've made. Iga has been such a dominant favorite on clay for some time now. Do you feel you really made a big statement with today's victory? Um, it's not like a big statement, but it really means a lot for me to beat Iga on, on clay court. I mean, I prove I prove to myself that I, I can be a great uh, fighter on the clay and uh, I can win uh, big titles on the clay. That's That's really important for me. Well, listen, you've proved to be a fighter on all the different surfaces. It doesn't matter which one you're on. Now, listen, we got you some cookies the other day. Yeah. You got a cake from the tournament. What's left? What on earth are you going to celebrate with tonight? <gasps> Let me think. I don't know. Probably pizza the next one. <laughs>
<laughs> well, you go to Rome next. So you get plenty of pizza so, over there. Um, oh, yeah, actually, yes. You know what? I'm going to wait till <laughs> till tomorrow. Till tomorrow's pizza, pasta, and all Italian food. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, uh, we, whatever you do, we hope you have the absolute best time. You completely deserve it. Such a magnificent Thank performance you. today. Well done. Thank you, guys. Flash forward to 2023, we now have a new big three era in Swiatek, Sabalenka, and Kazakhstani tennis player Helena Rabavenka, who have breathed life and a sigh of relief for women's tennis. If we can get more matches like we just witnessed with Swiatek and Sabalenka, the WTA will be in good hands for the next decade. Getting into some college basketball news now, big news broke out earlier this month that Bronny James, son of NBA icon LeBron James, has committed to play his college basketball for the USC Trojans in 2023-24. The four-star guard announced his decision this past Saturday after much speculation and playing his California basketball for Sierra Canyon. I had a feeling he was going to go to a, a California school, UCLA or USC, and he announced it from his Instagram account. James has grown a lot more appeal among NBA scouts as an NBA prospect this past year. He's displayed substantial growth as an aggressive scorer and in his shooting mechanics over the years. He finished as the 19th best overall player in ESPN 100 for the class of 2023, where he earned a McDonald's All-American selection like his father did 20 years earlier. LeBron also shared the exciting news on Instagram prior to the Lakers game when they won 127 to 97 back in game three for their victory over the Warriors, and he continued his five phrases for his son. Here's what LeBron James had to say. Uh, one of the best days of my life. Um, first of all, congratulations to Bronny on, on his decision he made. Um, you know, I'm super proud of him. Our family is proud of him. Um, for me personally, um, it's even more special to me because it's the first time uh, someone out of my family to go to college. Obviously, I didn't go to college either. So it's just a proud moment to, to see my son uh, go to college, and he's the first one to go to college uh, in my family. So um, super-duper proud, super-emotional, um, but just super, super-duper uh, excited and happy for his journey. And uh, today was a proud day. Uh, I, I couldn't lose today. No matter the, the matter the outcome of this game, I couldn't lose today personally. So, uh, But I'll take this, uh, this cherry on top with this dub, though. One thing I love about LeBron's comments, he's a great father, is that he doesn't make it about himself. He wants to continue to see Bronny strive for greatness. He wants to help him in his journey any way he can. Of course, he wants to play for play with his son because that's a dream. Like I don't think that's ever happened in NBA history. Father, son, that's never happened before. In NBA, in NBA history, no. And it's rare to see that in sports. You don't see that very often. I don't think we've ever seen that a father and a son play with each other in professional sports on the same team. I don't think it's ever happened or play against each other. That Not that I could recall. But the fact that LeBron is there to help him any way he can. He wants to aspire his kid. And he knows his journey. He's had his fun. He's had his journey already. He's written his legacy and story. He's one that, he wants to help his son write his legacy and help elevate him to levels he thinks his son could reach. Ronnie James has averaged 11.5 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 3.7 assists for the Strive for Greatness program on a Nike EYBL circuit last spring and summer, and followed up with stellar performances in high-profile games during the high school season, such as the 13.8 rebound, 3 assists, and 5 steal performance he had in the Hoop Hall Classic 
against Christopher Columbus, Florida team, where he shot three for eight from three-point range. He had 15 points and four assists, where he made five three-pointers in the McDonald's All-American game, and 11 points in the Nike Hoop Summit, where he displayed pesky on-ball defense, strong finishing at the rim, the ability to create for others, and so forth. He's projected to be a top 10 pick in ESPN's early 2024 NBA mock draft by ESPN's Jonathan by ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni, who's a draft guru, one of the best in the game. He's the best of the best. Citing his ability as arguably the best perimeter defender in his high school class, which is his biggest asset and drawing card as a prospect. He chose so James chose the Trojans over Oregon and Ohio State, following a long and mysterious recruitment. And throughout the entirety of his high school career, there was very little concrete information coming out about which schools were involved, which schools were, were that he was leaning toward. And we didn't know, despite having so many offers from schools like Duke, Oregon, USC, Ohio State, and I'm sure USCLA and many others. He finally broke his silence last month at Nike Hoop Summit, where he spoke publicly about his recruiting process for the first time without giving away any hints. And he stated... Talking to them, talking to the coaches, it's good to know they want me there with them. But at the end of the day, it's my decision and I need to make the right one for me. He will now suit up for Andy Enfield and the Trojans joining a preseason top 25 team. And they'll be forming one of the best backcourts in the country. USC is expected to bring back all-conference guard Boogie Ellis, who was the team's leading scorer at 17.7 points per game. And they also added another Top freshman will be ent- with Ronnie in this year's 2023 class and elite point guard Isaiah Collier, who's the number one ranked high school se- senior in the country. Welcome to the family, Ellis tweeted to Bronny. Ronnie's also one of the best jump shooters in the class, especially off the catch. His defense, facilitating, and basketball understanding of the game, the IQ he has on both ends, will give USC two-way production at the highest level. And they also just added Dennis Rodman's son, DJ Rodman, to the team as well. So you got like a whole great incoming freshman class coming in. DJ Rodman, Isaiah Collier, Ronnie James, and I forgot who else they added. But they have like four really high-profile incoming freshmen coming in who are going to make an immediate impact for this program. So USC is going to be like rock stars next season. They're going to be the rock stars of college basketball. Everybody's going to be flocking and go see Bronnie James and Dennis Rodman. Two sons of NBA legends, Dennis Rodman and LeBron James, respectively, playing for USC. That's going to be a sight to behold. Okay, we'll, see what, we'll see what they do. Can they impact the game? Of course, they might not be as good as their fathers, but they're still good players in their own right, and we got to respect that. And we got to see how they grow. We got to give them time to grow. They're still young. They can still get better. So congrats to Ronnie James on committing to USC, and we'll see what the Trojans can do next season. Can they make it for an NCAA tournament? We'll have to wait and see. So that was some tennis and some college basketball news for you guys. Coming back from the break, though, we'll talk about some soccer as Madrid, Real Madrid, took their 20th Copa del Rey in the club's history. And we're going to talk about Major League Baseball and the MLBPA. Finalizing a CBA deal good through 2026. So don't go anywhere as we'll be right back. Fancy ran off a cupcake. Listen, don't worry. I'll find your dog. Oh, my baby. Thank you so much. Well, I'm happy. Me too. You can count on me. Just like people have been relying on Geico for over 85 years. (laughs) And he beat me to that. We all know you could have helped too. (laughs) 
Oh, be nice. <laughs> I know, so sensitive. Okay, can I have my dog? Sure, yeah, of course. Thank you so you much. <laughs> you know, will you? Let me have my moment. Geico, over 85 years of trusted service. Switching gears to some soccer now, as Real Madrid won their first Copa del Rey title in nearly a decade, beating Asasuna and the 20th overall Copa del Rey in the club's history, behind Rodrigo's goal to give Copa del Rey a glory victory with a clinical double and a 2-1 victory on Saturday, with Brazilian compatriot Vinicius Jr. playing a part in both goals. And Vinicius Jr. is one of the best young rising stars in soccer. He is a superstar. This guy has had how many awards already, and he's been a Ballon d'Or, not Ballon d'Or recipient, but... He's been on the voting list, finalist for a long time. And he's only, what, 22, 23? Not, probably not even that old. He is going to be one of the best players in soccer for the foreseeable future. So the coach of Madrid, Carlo Ancelotti, earned their 20th Spanish Cup at La Cartuja in their 40th final, ending a nine-year wait to lift the trophy once again. Osasuna is a club that has never won a major trophy, so this was really a potential historic moment for them but they came up short against the reigning Spanish and European champions who faced Manchester who faced Manchester City this past Tuesday in the Champions League semifinals which ultimately ended in a 1-1 draw. Madrid now has won all six of the trophies available to them during Ancelotti's second reign with the club after the Italian returned in 2021. Rodrigo fired Madrid ahead inside 2 minutes after Vinicius Finishes run down this left, and Antelotti's team had the better chances in the first half. However, Lucas Toro leveled for Osasuna in the 58th minute to give them hope of an upset in their first cup final since 2005 and second ever. Rodrigo then whisted away, firing home after a rebound fell his way, following another Vinicius charge, which ensued Madrid would take the trophy back to their country. And Antelotti stated, they made the difference. Vinny unbounced them, and Rodrigo scored the two goals of his Brazilian wingers. Madrid beat both Atletico Madrid and then rivals Barcelona to reach the final, and Ancelotti said it was time to celebrate, but not too heavily ahead of the clash with Manchester City, which ended in the 1-1 draw. As I record this part on Thursday, May 11th. This Copa arrived at an important moment. We came through very tricky ties. It's a deserved prize against strong opponents. Osasuna coach Jogoba Arasade deployed midfielder Don Macayola at right back to try and stop Madrid winger Vinicius. It didn't work as Vinicius was, he's too good, he's too swift, too agile as he broke down the defense on the left side of the field in the second minute and his dangerous cutback was missed by Feed Valverde but slammed home by Rodrigo. In the sparkling form, they scored the earliest Copa del Rey final goal since 2006, a year after Osasuna finished runners-up to Real Betis. Now that they have won their 20th, which is, that, that's, that's staggering. That's an amazing accomplishment. And we just have to wait and see how they continue to try to climb from this. They, 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 Real Madrid is one of the best clubs in all of soccer. Everybody knows they produce some of the greatest soccer players to ever lace them up on the football field. And we're just going to see where they go from here. They have so much great young talent. 
Rodrigo actually just got burglarized in his home the other day. It was reported like a few days ago. So I just hope he gets his stuff back and hope it's nothing too serious. I hope he's safe and his family's safe. That's just crazy. I, I don't like I don't like hearing stuff like that. So we're just putting my praise up for him and his stuff and his family and, and him as well. But yeah, shout out to Real Madrid on winning the 20th Copa del Rey title and the first in the last decade. All right, so let's talk about the MLB and the Players Association finalizing a CBA deal through 2026. So after much speculation and difference in opinions over the years, the MLB and the Major League Baseball Players Association have finally agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement that will continue to push through until December 2026, which allows for labor peace between both parties. This deal comes after the league did a memorandum deal to prevent a prolonged lockout for the 2022 season. And it was a lockout last season that lasted 99 days. So they did, they did came up with a new deal last year, but they came up with a new deal just recently to push it further and for it to last a little bit longer, to prolong it, to prolong the labor peace. Baseball has had many lockouts in this long history, and we're going to get to some of the details, a little bit of the details in some of the MLB's latest CBA deal. So some of the biggest lockouts they've had, and I'm just mentioning two of them because they've had many in their long tenured history of the league. So 1981, they canceled 712 games that lasted 50 days from June 12th, 1981 to July 31st, 1981. And when I searched that up and did research, I was like, whoa, I was like, oh, that's a long time. That's a big chunk of games. And it led to divisional winners from the first and second halves of the season to a one-off expanded offseason, which kind of messed up the league. But nothing tops the 1994 strike, which was the worst of them all and the longest of them all. Lasted 232 days from August 12, 1994 to March 31st, 1995, which forever changed baseball. And it was like a nuclear war happened, like World War Four happened. It harmed baseball. It caused 938 games to be canceled, the largest in the history of the sport. So here are more details on MLB's latest CBA. So teams are guaranteed at least seven open days over the final 67 days of the season with at least three open days in the final 32 days of the regular season. That was not a provision in the previous CBA. And I looked up, I think some website, I forgot what it was called, something with baseball in it. They did a great job explaining all the details of what's in the new CBA. Some of the minimum salaries in the new CBA are $700,000 in 2022, and it'll continue to rise by $20,000 in the coming years going forward. So 720,000 this year, 740,000 in 2024, 760,000 in 2025, and 780,000 2026. So a player who's signing a second major league contract is guaranteed the following minimum salaries in the minor leagues. So 2022 was 114,100, 2023 is 117,400, 2024 is 120,600, 2025 is 123,900, and 2026 127,100 respectively. For players on their first MLB contract, their minor leagues minimum salaries are as read 2022, 57,200, 2023, 58,800, 2024, 60,300, 2025, 62,000, and 2026, 63,600. The dates for players and teams to exchange salary arbitration figures will be Friday, January 13th of 2023, which passed already. For 2024, it'll be Friday, January 12th, 2025, Friday, January 10th, and 2026, Friday, January 9th. So if a player has reached an arbitration deal 
on the contract before it's heard by the arbitration panel. They shall be eligible for termination pay if the player is terminated for failing to display proficient skills or ability prior to opening day, according to BaseballAmerica.com. Yep, that's where I got my the details of the CBA. So shout out to them. So other perks will include a weekly allowance of $369.50. All players who live away from headquarters will have an added incentive of $65.60 weekly. Teams obligated to help players find housing during spring training. They'll have training meals and other stipends for making the all-star game. And there are a whole other incentives in the CBA, but those are just some of them. With a new CBA deal finalized, MLB can now breathe for the time being over the next couple of years. They now have labored peace and new rules implemented this season, such as the pitch clock to help speed up the game, for example. I don't, of, all, of the four major sports, NBA, NFL, hockey, baseball, baseball is the one I watch the least. But one thing I've heard from people who are really big baseball fans, the game has sped up a lot. It's not lasting four and a half hours like it was before. It's like the shot clock of the NBA. There's a reason why they have the shot clock, so the game doesn't go on forever. So teams don't hog the ball for 30 minutes. There's a shot clock to help speed up the game, keep the pace of the game going. That's why you, that's the product you want to see. You want to see the best athletes use their full athletic gifts at the highest rate, because that's what we fans, we pay to come see these athletes perform at their best. So them really, Rob Manford, I think, He's taking a lot of flack as a commissioner. I think of all the commissioners in the four major sports, him of the MLB and Roger Goodell of the NFL, they take a lot of heat. A lot of heat. Adam Silver has gotten some heat lately, but he's overall, his reputation, he's a pretty great commissioner for the most part. And he's been commissioner for the NBA now for the last nine years. But Manford and Goodell, they they really do take a lot of heat. But Manford, as of the last, in my opinion, the last two years, ever since forming a new CBA, Changing rules of baseball, finally, the MLB and the Player Association finally agreeing to help speed up the game and make it more of an attractive product for those watching the game on television and in person. I think he's taking the right steps. He's finally listening to the people, listening to the players, to the owners, everybody. And the fact that the owners are willing to listen to the players finally and they were able to get a deal done, they don't have to worry about it for the next four or five years. That's what you want to see when you're a major league, a billion-dollar corporation. And one thing I'd like to see them continue to do, because when I see watch commercials, like national commercials, I don't see baseball stars. That's the next step. Get I want to see Otani more. Otani's a transcendent talent. Aaron Judge is too. Aaron Judge I mostly see on local New York stations like Yes Network or MSD Network. That's where I really see my commercials. Nationally, I don't really see baseball stars. You got to market your star players. I've been saying this all the time. Whenever I talk baseball, you got to do that. The, the general public, don't, they don't know who they are. Like for basketball you, and football, they market their players great. You know who the top guys are. You know their personalities because they, they show their faces, whether it's Patrick Mahomes with State Farm, Aaron Rodgers, same thing. Or it's LeBron James with a Sprite commercial. Or Stephen Curry with an Under Armour commercial. Or Giannis with his Nike shoes. And then now John Morant got his own shoe deal. Like, you got to market your stars. You got to advertise them. So that way, you can grow your brand and also you're growing your player's brand as well. And that's going to do wonders for you as the league. It's going to bring in more revenue, more eyeballs, more higher ratings. And that's how you get more money. 
So this is a great, great step forward for the MLB. And I just hope they continue to progress. Because, yes, everybody's been talking about baseball over the last how many years now as America's pastime. But I think them taking these steps with the rule changes and then now labor peace for a couple of years, they can finally focus on how they continue to build their game now that they don't have to worry about getting a new CBA deal done. So we'll see what steps they take in the coming years and hopefully they end up continuing to market their top stars and grow the game of baseball. Well, that's going to do for the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I, I did a shorter one this time. I wanted to keep it short this time. There was some stuff I wanted to talk about, but it's been well over a week now. So it's like, eh, no point in talking about it. But yeah, make sure you guys leave five stars on the podcast, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Team to shout out the podcast, DJ Sports Show to your friends, family members, whoever likes sports, co-workers, whoever likes sports, anybody you know. Same thing with the website, djsportshow.com. Check it out. Become a member. It's free. Check out my merch on my website as well and my shop section. Check out my YouTube videos on DJ Sports Show on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a like. Share the YouTube channel as well as we continue to try to grow. And I wanted to keep this episode light. I usually don't keep it this light, half an hour, but I kind of liked it. Get, talk about a little, some sports I don't really talk about as often. Usually write about them more, like soccer or baseball. But that's what I want to continue to try to do again like I used to. But yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's being host DJ Hamilton. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I'll see y'all next time. Peace.